This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. This is the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, Will Ospreay, and you are listening to Busted Wide Open. Thank you. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 189. My name is Nick Howell. Destino! (laughs) I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the show. What? A weekend it was, Nick. Wrestle Kingdom 14, two nights. Good, sweet Lord. I can't wait to talk about this. What an amazing show. If you didn't watch it, we're going to be talking a lot about it on this show. We're also going to be talking about Monday Night Raw, which meh. I thought was a pretty solid fun. What do you mean, meh? You're just spoiled from all the Japanese wrestling. I thought it was actually a pretty damn good Raw. Lots of Fair. good wrestling on that show. Lots of good like good, good storylines, good plot, and Lana Lashley. Well, there was a lot of stuff to talk about. <laughs> we'll get into that, Nick. Let's do some housekeeping because I cannot freaking wait yes. to talk about all this stuff. Fast as I possibly can. Guys, come over to Facebook.com. Search for Busted Wide Open. You find us over there. Uh, like our page. Send us a join request to get into the discussion group with the rest of the phenomenal ones. As well as at the top of the page, you'll find a link to our Discord community, which is where we have all of our live chats that go on on every show all throughout the week. Raw, SmackDown, NXT, uh, AEW Dynamite and Dark, NWA Power, and dedicated channels for any and all pay-per-views. Thank you and a huge shout-out to everybody that joined us throughout the chat. You warriors! You absolute <laughs> warriors that stayed Maniacs. up all night in the U.S. watching Wrestle Kingdom 14 with us all weekend in the live chat. Bravo to you folks. Um, I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. I think we had uh, some UK UK studs, too, that were up at the, the weird time, Yeah, but that's like too, 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning. That's not 3 a.m., right? What? <laughs> I don't know. Seven or eight o'clock in the morning is more brutal for me. When I hear right. that, I'm like, oh, that's I'm, the worst I'm watching for me. Okada Ibushi at seven o'clock in the morning, and I've been up all night. It's it's <laughs> that's rough. Uh, anyway, you can also find us here on uh, or sorry on Instagram and Twitter at BWO Podcast, streaming live right here on YouTube at YouTube.com/slash/BustedWideOpen every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern and every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern, where we also do our patron mailbag episode immediately after that show. Uh, and to get into that, you, to be able to ask those listener questions that we answer every single week, you have to head over to Patreon.com/slash/BWO, sign up for just that five dollars tier just five dollars a month you get the ability to ask 
uh, get access to not only all of the show notes for every single episode, but the ability to ask listener questions for our weekly patron mailbag series. So thank you guys very much that are patrons. Thank you for supporting the show. Uh, you are the fuel that continues to rock this machine as we head first very, very strongly $5. into $5. 2020. You can get bonus episodes. You can get sweet swag, Skype calls with Nick and Surrey and Dangerous every single Ooh. month. You got me referring to myself in the third person. It's 2020. In Surrey and Dangerous. I'm still shook up from Wrestle Kingdom. Oh, I don't man, know what to so do with shook. myself. Ah. Uh. I am so shooketh. I am thoroughly shooketh from New Japan. Nick, let's not let's let's get right into it. Let's go yes. talk about Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> Woosaw. Go to your happy place, Nick. Take a it, breath. Take a it breath. It would appear based on your note that we're going to start with night two. Well, we discussed night one on our last episode. Coming okay. out of night one. We knew where we stood, right? You uh, from Pickham's alone. I was up six four, right? Uh, from night from night one, not as we terribly for, bad as I would have expected to have been getting my ass whipped uh, from New Japan stuff. The, but the great you got competition thing, now because I've been watching for a couple years and been paying attention. Yeah, and I love it. Like a couple things that swerve you, a couple things that you expect. That's a good show. Yeah. So I I, I was actually completely happy all around. Coming out of night one. Uh, we knew that we, like, we had some pr a preview for the Sonata Zack Sabre Jr. match. Uh, Sonata had won going into it. Um, we had, uh, or Zack Sabre actually won coming into that, which was shocking. Um, we knew that uh, Goto was facing Kenta for the uh, for the never open weight belt. Uh, Finn Juice had beaten the Grills of Destiny, so Juice Robinson had the chance to become the first double champ. If with his with his match against John Moxley, who had beaten Lance Archer in a badass uh, Texas Death Match the night before, Hiromu Takahashi had beaten Will Ospreay on night one in an, uh, an in a match which on any other show would have been the match of the night. Right, like they just they balled out in this match, and yet it wasn't as good as the main as the main events, which was Jay White and Tetsuya Naito for the Intercontinental Championship which Naito gutted out like Jay White was targeting his knee. Naito gutted it out and got his Intercontinental Championship back. The thing that he needed, the first of two things he needed to finally fulfill his destiny after seven years of pain and struggle, to fulfill his destiny and become the double champ, the first ever double champ in New Japan. Uh, and on, the, on the, that first night of the show, we had what might be my match of the weekend, which was Okada Ibushi for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Mm. And a lot of people thought, including yourself, Nick, thought Ibushi was coming into that and taking that championship from Okada. And I'm not going to lie. I didn't know either way until that three count hit. And even then, I wasn't sure. Like Okada even was getting I so much offense in in the middle of the match. I was like, oh, shit, they're actually going to give this to Ibushi. And, and then Ibushi turned on the dark side and just, you know, that thing he does now where he just goes dead and no-sells everything and then just starts murdering his opponent. Like, he had Okada on the ground and was just like closed fist punching him in the face to the point where the crowd was booing Ibushi because <laughs> it was just so vicious and it was scary. It was genuinely scary. Yeah. Uh, but beautiful, beautiful match. Absolutely incredible. I had no idea how they were going to top this on night two. 
I think they might have, Nick. I think they might have topped the Sun Knight too. So I'm, just I'm from, not, I'm just not sure. Just, just as a general kind of note, point of order, I think, I think, and I think I said this on the other show. We've had like we got like three match of the year contenders already on January fourth, yeah. four days into the new year and new decade. Four match, three match of the year contenders, in my opinion, already in Osprey, Osprey Takahashi. Yep. Um, White Naito and Okada Ibushi off the start you've got three match of the year contenders on night two you had at least two or three more right that that are already like okay well <clears throat> beat that uh, so let's run down the card of night two here. okay uh, pre-show you had the, the classic uh, six man tag gauntlet match they usually have this uh, the most violent players which is of course is Togi Makabe and Toriyanu with Ryusuke Taguchi Versus uh, Tomohiro Ishii, Yoshihashi, and Robbie Eagles, uh, uh, representing Chaos versus Bullet Club, which is represented by Bad Luck Fale, Chase Owens, Yujiro Takahashi, versus Evil Shingo Takagi and Bushi, representing LIJ, versus Suzuki Gun, represented by Taichi, Desperado, and Yoshinobu Kanemaru. And just tons of action in this match, very fun. You and I both picked LIJ to win, and I'll be damned, Nick, but they did. They did. LIJ now have those belts. Now, granted, those belts mean virtually nothing in Japan. And they never really even bring them out. Like, I had no idea. I don't even know who <laughs> the previous champs were. It, it was um, uh, Toriyanu and his... D- yeah, it was. they wanted, I think, like last year. Right. <laughs> or like something like that. Yeah, we haven't seen this belt it's in so at really least defended. six months. Since before right. the G1, I think. It's been a while. Yeah. It's been, it's been a while. But... Uh, yeah, it was, uh, and it was, it was Lij going over chaos here, which I thought was uh, telling, telling, perhaps a preview of something later in the show, because uh, that would be a that would be a theme, be a theme of the show. Uh, to open the show, we had what we knew we were going to get, which was Jushin Thunder Liger's final match, tagging with Naoki Sano versus the new junior heavyweight champion Hiromu Takahashi. And Ryu, Ryu Lee, also known as Dragon Lee here in the States, um, which is a very interesting match because Liger and Sano are old rivals. Takahashi and Ryu Lee have a really storied rivalry as well, even to the point that Lee is the one that broke Takahashi's neck that put him out for a year and a half. So very interesting layout of this match. Um, we both picked this one right too, Nick. We, we knew that we, we had a feeling that Liger and his last match was going to pass the torch in a major way. Yeah. And pretty much anoint the next major guy in the junior heavyweight division, and that being Hiromu Takahashi. Yeah. And sure enough, the end of this match saw Takahashi pinning Liger, uh, bowing to him and, and giving him the ring. So I need to and jump then, in here on you for a second. Yeah. Because it, away. It, it was about this time, and unfortunately, Surrey and Dangerous did not get to watch live. You did have to watch work, so you yeah, probably have heard about this, but you don't. You, ha- you didn't get to feel it. It was about this time. It's Jushin Thunder Liger's farewell match ever, the last one ever, and he's just laid down for Hiromu Takahashi, and yeah. the NJPW feed goes down. No. Globally. The whole oh. thing went, you should have seen Twitter explode. All of the wrestling Twitter Arati just throwing shade at New Japan. I can't believe you weren't ready for this. On night one, Kevin Kelly, you're touting thousands and thousands of new subs just last oh, night for alone. Oh, love of God. And, right. 
but it's real. So we had all kinds of problems. If you go back and look at the Jushin Discord Thunder chat, Liger's retirement broke the feed. We're all speculating. <laughs> that was it. So we're all oh. speculating before the finish of the match, like, oh my God, what's is he going to unmask? Is he ever done that? Right. We know he's done Keishin Liger before with the face paint, but is he yeah. going to unmask? What's going to happen? What's the f- the final thing? Like the night one stuff, we saw him surround himself with all of those legends. What's he going to do on night two? Nope. One, two, three. Yay! Feed goes down. Foom. Oh. Oof. It was at you- least 10 to 15 minutes before Ooh, man. I know uh, Esme, Esme Standing Bear, that's a, a patron of ours, yes. it took her almost an hour to get the feed back up oh. and running. It was heartbreaking. Um, I was fortunate enough, I've, I've got gigabit oh, internet over no. here, where I, uh, mine came back up pretty quickly, and I'm patient enough to just sit there and let it work itself out. There was a queuing system that kicked in where it was like, sorry, you got queued, please try again later. So there was all kinds of chaos that was happening. I just wanted to jump in and and they did re- you know what as a tech guy I have they recovered. I, I just oh god. Can you imagine man, sitting there no. at seeing the very end the ref count the 3 and then the feed goes down and you can't get back into Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. You can't watch Liger Liger's last moments in a ring as right. a competitor. So mine wow. came back in just in time to see him going up the ramp. He spent about 10 minutes like high-fiving and hugging uh, people oh, at the rail. Dragon, all the Dragon Lee just prostrated himself in front of him. Like he didn't yeah. bow. He like all the way down on the floor, on his knees, hands out, like prostrated himself. And Liger was even like, no, no, come on, man, get up. Do you notice he like, still had a Dragon intense. Lee t-shirt on? <laughs> yeah. Oh, even it was. He's not supposed to use that, but yeah. Well, whatever. He's he's he takes a while to get your merch back around. You know, it's, right, I understand. Right. Uh, it's a process, but it's still like it was. It was emotional, and it wasn't even as emotional as the next night uh, where they had the official retirement ceremony, but it was, yeah, it was heavy, man. It yeah. was heavy. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad I didn't have that interrupted because I would have probably lost my mind and have burned down the place. Uh, so there was everyone a, who got in, there was a who portrait that, that came out like, as well uh, from Robin. I can never remember her last name. Uh, the photographer that does all the great wrestling photography. I think Robin Gardner, I, I feel like was her name, uh, posted a picture of a side-by-side of Jushin like looking yes. out a window is back one with his infamous mask on and the other in, without in color in color and then the other without the mask but like in grayscale yeah i've seen that one it's it's that's quite a few that's quite a few uh, strong strong staying strong moments from uh jushin but that wasn't the only stuff i mean there was other stuff as well i'll, I'll get to oh, like yeah. the moment that i i actually and I, I don't know if you'll uh, predict this, Nick, but I, there was definitely a moment that I had some serious like man motions going on there, and I'll, we'll get to that later on in the show. Let's 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 talk about the next match, which was uh, for the was junior it when came heavyweight out, or? tag team. Uh, no, that's a whole different kind of man motion. Oh, oh, oh okay. you said no, man saying, motion. I went no, I'm saying man motions, emotions. You know, emotions. Like strong, like, oh, okay. <laughs> staying silent, the single like masculine tear running down my cheek. Uh, no, Peter's a whole different <clears throat> kettle of fish. Uh, Taiji Ishimori and El Fantasmo versus Rapongi 3K, a.k.a. Show and Yo, for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship. This match over-delivered. Big time. Um, for anyone who doesn't know these guys, I actually expected them to kill it, and they freaking killed it. These guys always steal shows. Uh, massively underrated, everyone involved in this, and it yeah. was an awesome, awesome match and new champions Showing yo, as I predicted, once again, pick it up at Wrestle Kingdom. 
Um, not much more to say about that. Just a fun match. Yeah. But uh, the next one, I got some stuff to talk about. Zack okay. Sabre Jr. versus Sonata for the Rev Pro British Heavyweight Championship um, in another just technical masterpiece. Good God. Like, people forget Sonata can wrestle on Zack Sabre Jr.'s level until he gets in the ring with him. And then they, it's just like, oh, my God, that guy's really good. Because we I, all expect Zack to be genius. You know? I don't know that I've ever seen anything this level. Uh, anybody that's ever not watched wrestling and they want to show somebody what wrestling is that's not WWE soap opera stuff, show them that match. Where they're just they're doing the rollover, the reversal things into a circle. Yeah. And all of the knots that they're tying each other in and just, just Wow. Wow, this was a completely different match than the one that Sonata had with Okada in the G1, but it just highlights Sonata even further. Um, so I, I absolutely loved everything. I love just traditional mat wrestling, and this is everything this is exactly and, it. and more. Yeah. When we talk about Josh Barnett's blood sport, like this, this would have fit right in on that show where it's you know you're not really sure how much they rehearsed this if they did it all, um, you know, or if they just said, hey, we just know we're going to hit these spots. Between that, we're just going to freaking chain wrestle we're just gonna we're just gonna get down there and, and go um and Zach it's Saber also a nice rehearse <laughs> uh the, the other thing i liked about this is a lot of people have accused sonata of not being too serious and part of that is the paradise lock just being a goofy move no paradise lock here this was this was straight up legit the entire time and it came down to zach saber jr just being that slight edge better at the end um when they were doing these like, they're like trading clutches at the end and uh doing like uh, back bridge pins and Zach just got the better of him and one, two, three, which I was shocked by because I picked Sonata to pick this one up. Um, I thought he needed to get back on the horse, if you will. Uh, he's been kind of off of it since losing to Okada earlier this year. And I don't really know where he goes from here. You know, like Zach is pretty established, but Sonata, I feel like he's one of those guys that's kind of an almost ran where be given like just how stacked the heavyweight division is, he's so good, but he just doesn't have that tiny little thing that all the guys just above him do. You know what I mean? Like he's just I, not. I, I, have, I have some ideas. I have some like ideas. We'll, we'll get there. Let's get through the show first. Uh oh. Then we'll do some <laughs> hashtag Nick booking. Oh no! You're gonna Nick book Sonata? Well, I, guess what? I have some hashtag Ian rumors. Then I'm going to throw at you about what's happening next with Sonata. So let's. So we'll come back to Sonata later. Uh, but all right, all right, all right. We'll come. We'll come back to him. Let's move on then and talk about the uh, the next match, which was John Moxley versus Juice Robinson for the IWGP United States Championship. So this was surprising for a couple of reasons. Um, one, we both picked Juice Robinson to win this because we thought they were going to pay off the storyline from when Moxley first came over and took the title from him, which was Juice gets his redemption. And I guess they say he got his redemption when he cost Moxley the G1, and now Moxley's going to come back and, and get himself back over Juice. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the, what they're go, where they're going at with Juice on this one. So I think he kind of need, needed this win. But I'll be goddamned if I wasn't super happy that John Moxley won this one when after the match, as he's standing there celebrating the fact that he came to Japan, got the title back that he never lost, and then defended it and kept it, and now possibly maybe taking it to AEW, wait and see, and opening that forbidden door, 
So time out uh, one second before you go okay. say what I think, what I know you're going to say. Oh, this is where the Nick booking really kicked in because I didn't know, we didn't, hadn't seen yet what was about to happen. Because it was, Moxley got a mic, he cut a promo, he did all kinds yes. of stuff in there, right? So we had a few minutes to kill and my mind started going like, <gasps> Tanahashi, Tanahashi has to win because, oh my God, right. is, Moxley's going to take the US title to AEW. Oh my God, so what is... Is is Juice going to come over and try to? Is he going to come with Tanahashi to challenge for the title? And right. oh my God! So we are going to have the the crossovers happening. Tanahashi's winning. Blah, 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 blah. So I went off, and then sure. all of a sudden, that music Oops. hit. Yes, and then the theme of the scariest man on the planet, the murder grandpa himself, Minoru Suzuki's music, the, the one of the greatest theme songs yeah. in the history of professional wrestling. Kaze Ninare starts playing. Lonely Warrior, out comes Minoru Suzuki from the back, laughing. Uh, and essentially, like, just walks halfway down the ramp in a tracksuit, Moxley standing in the ring, mouthing, what the F? What the, what the f? What are you doing here? In case you forgot, Nick, after the G1, Moxley had Minoru's name in his mouth and was saying, like, I want to stick around, I want to kick some people's asses, including Minoru Suzuki. Well, Murder Grandpa hears all. And Murder Grandpa heard what Moxley had to say. Halfway down the ramp, starts taking the tracksuit off. He's got, his, he's got his wrestling trunks underneath. He's ready to go. He gets in that ring and, ring and kicks Moxley's ass. Uh, naked, rear naked chokes him. And then Gottstyle pile driver. Moxley is KO'd in the middle of the ring. Doesn't come to until Suzuki has already left. And then they're, they're, the young lions are trying to wake him up. And Moxley comes to like still fighting the young lions. Like, what? What happened? Beauty. He, he actually attacked ah. one of them, thinking it was Suzuki that was trying that was yeah. holding him down. Brilliant, ah. just brilliant. Oh, it was lovely. So to say that I went to a new level of markery, yeah, for this is the understatement of the decade. <laughs> um, this is basically the moment that John Moxley was released from WWE and was like, "I want to get back to kicking people's asses." And we saw him in the G one. And he was in like, you know, MMA trunks and he was the way he was presenting himself in Japan was very much like shoot wrestler style and crazy. And he's going to go out there and beat your ass. I was like, man, it would be so awesome if he and Minoru Suzuki could hook up at some point. And there was some questions about that because we weren't sure if Suzuki was leaving New Japan after Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, he said like he wasn't really happy with his direction in the company. So there was, seemed to be some obstacles to that Moxley wasn't coming back to Japan to wrestle. Right. So there seem to be some obstacles to that. And to have this actually be a thing now, like it's official, they're going to have a feud. Not only does that make me happy because I cannot wait to see these two tear each other apart, but it's also for people who don't know who Minoru Suzuki is, but they're following John Moxley because of him in WWE. I'm so excited for y'all to find out who Suzuki is because he's like one of my favorite guys of all time. Um, but also, this is, I know for John Moxley, I know for him personally, like, I am feeling so happy for him, Nick, because I know how happy he must be. This is a dream come true for him. Yeah. You know? And we revel like, in that, too, right? I, mean, I think I said in the Discord chat while this was going on or right afterwards, I was like, guys, you do realize, like, six months ago, he was in a gas mask getting shots in his butt. Uh, more like a year ago. But, yes, you're, you're completely right. Like, that's exactly right. Like, he went from the lowest point personally for him in his career 
to the point where he quit an extremely lucrative job and took a gamble on himself to having his dreams come true. He had two matches in the Tokyo Dome at Wrestle Kingdom and got into a feud with Minoru Suzuki all in the space of 48 hours. Not to mention running the table almost in the G1B block and um, uh, getting the U.S. title on his debut. And being the number one guy in a brand new promotion that is you know, arguably the hottest thing to happen in wrestling right now. I, yeah. Is John Moxley the wrestler of the year? <laughs> I don't I, he's definitely got the yeah, the, the, happy the, story the steps the are there, the check boxes are there, but God. obviously not. We've made those picks already. But no, I, I think I my head is now doing crazy theory crafting around how oh, AEW sure. and New Japan gets together. Well, they might not. All these, let's, these let's, few all right, yeah. Go ahead. Time out on that right now, man. Because you know as well as we gotta talk about another match, the other match that happened with the AEW champion himself. And I think that's where your theory crafting. Let's get into it then. Let's get. We got one more match between that between now and then. All right. Because we need the full information to really talk about that. Yes. So let's talk about Kenta versus Hiroki Goto for the Never Openweight Championship, which was, as predicted, the chop fest, slap fest, punch in the face fest of the night. Somebody just, might die. A match of Wrestle just Kingdom. The, it's kind of what the Never Openweight belt has become. Is that's pretty much always the belt they fight for if they're just going to beat the crap out of each other. Like, legit just hit each other in the face. And that's what this became, was who can take more punishment. And it turned out it was Goto. (laughs) Because at the end of this, Kenta just did not have enough strikes for him. And Goto's righteous rage at Kenta betraying his mentor and friend, Katsuyori Shibata, overflowed. And his warrior spirit came flowing out of him into a GTW followed by a GTR to put Kenta down for the one, two, three. Just, I mean, another match, kind of like the uh, Osprey and uh, Hiromu match, where if it hadn't been on this card, it would have been one of the best matches. It would have been the best match of the night. Yeah. It was so amazingly entertaining. It's just like a perfectly told story of two guys who just freaking hate each other and have a real reason to hate each other, kicking the crap out of each other until one of them just kicks more crap out of the other one. Oh, it was so much fun. This was almost as hard-hitting as the Okada Ibushi match from the night before. I think I just, except I, this one had more just hard-hitting, and that one was just had a section with hard-hitting. Yeah. You know uh, what I mean? th- these two just whooped each other's asses. We did both pick Goto, though, and I think, you know, I want to believe that it's a little bit of a hat tip to Goto for the amazing you know presence he had at the G1, right up there with Moxley at the top, you know, so I... I think he's having a bit it, of a resurgence. Yeah. yeah, I think we both called it based on that. I was not expecting what happened later in the night, but we'll talk about that uh, in a <laughs> no few minutes. One, no one was. No, no. Nobody was. But it was. A, I thought it was a great way to, to put a cap on this storyline between Goto and Kenta. Uh, I think there's more to come between Kenta and Shibata. We'll see. Uh, as you said, Nick, hint, hint, there's more to come with Kenta on other things. But yeah. love seeing Goto win this. Love to see him win a championship. At a big show. It's too rare that happens. And I do have some love for Goto. But let's talk about another very, very controversial match. Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Chris Jericho. Jericho coming in as the AEW champion and brought the belt. Well, he had he it covered at first. Ring. Yes. He had a jacket on and it was completely covered. And then I saw several people go, oh, yeah. It's just Smarks going, oh, I knew he wouldn't bring the AEW championship. Because he didn't reveal it until he got in the ring 
and got his, and was taking his gear off, and there it was yep. in all of its glory when he took his jacket off. Uh, the AEW Championship at Wrestle Kingdom in the middle of the ring, and that was kind of a no. moment when I when I saw that I just kind of went, "Huh, we've crossed the yeah. chasm." Here, <laughs> all right, well, let's go. But have we? Because <laughs> they exchanged they exchanged some talk about this before this match. Tanahashi saying he wanted to quote open the forbidden door, yeah. uh, meaning he wanted to, to thaw this chilly relationship between New Japan and AEW. And I'll be, I'll be frank, this is wild Ian speculation here, but I do think that the relationship is less chilly than they're letting on. But I think that they're trying to keep us all in suspense for the inevitable time when they do make amends and something happens. There was a song but that Rihanna thought, had a couple of years ago that was pretty popular. Uh, work, 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 work. Hana, 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 hana. Yeah, we're getting worked. I, okay, I, I would bet there's already a relationship kind of established there. I well, there and, obviously there has to be for right. I mean, Jericho and Moxley had pre-existing working relationships with New Japan. But I'm talking now specifically with Kenny and the Bucks and Cody. Like that, that was they made a pretty big deal out of the fact that New Japan felt like they bailed on them. And sure. that they were going to bet the whole North American tour thing, they were going to put it on the back of Kenny Omega, and they feel like he kind of trashed He's the main guy they seem to be pissed at. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they were, well, they were actively he, trying to keep him from getting back the, to the he country. He promised them that he wasn't going anywhere before they did all that, and yeah. then he left. I mean, there, there, there's a the thing. New Japan has a legit beef, uh, but there's people like Jericho who are working, uh, obviously are working in some sense as... Uh, ambassadors to try to get these two companies to work it out because as we've said on this show before Nick it would be advantageous to both com uh, companies to have that relationship and we thought it was going to start here we thought it was going to be uh, because Jericho said if Tanahashi beats me I'll put my AEW title on the line for him at a future time we thought it was going to happen here but shockingly after a fantastic match uh, showing both of these Aging guys can still go 100%, which I think if you've watched any of their matches recently, you should know by now. They can totally still go. And another match that I think, had it been on any other show, would have been the top match of the night. It's just, there was just so much good stuff on this show. Yeah. But Jericho catches Tanahashi uh, trying to finish him off and puts him in a really deep walls of Jericho until Tanahashi taps. This wasn't just Jericho beating Tanahashi. He tapped him. Mm. Which I like because I'm sorry, Jericho coming to New Japan and getting to tap out Tanahashi. The the like, and this isn't even a great like apples for apples uh, analogy, but the John Cena of New Japan getting to tap him out uh, is huge, and that has to make me think there's something else in the works because that's too much. That's he is looking way too dominant on Tanahashi, and that gives so much power to his belt, to the AEW belt. That puts Jericho on such a pedestal. And I'm curious if AEW references it. I mean, they, they referenced Kenny winning the AAA Mega Campion belt. They've, I figured they've got to. They, that's, this is too big of a moment for AEW not to recognize that Jericho just beat one of the greatest wrestlers of all time um, one of the greatest still working wrestlers, a once-in-a-generation talent. Tanahashi is a... To say he's a legend is an understatement. He's the so savior is, of New Japan, brought it out of the dark ages of the 2000s, and it was he, yeah. they sat it up on his back and he carried it. He's know? the prototype. He is the prototype, and he yep. is... That's huge. Not to just beat him, but to tap 
him out. So that makes me think that even though they didn't do it here, this is another classic long-term strategy yeah. uh, where they are making us think one way, but in reality, there's something completely opposite happening. I, I, again, that's, of course, that is, you know, couch speculation. But just given, you know, I've, I've watched enough wrestling and I've seen things like they, if this was something that they just wanted to kind of squash and say, all right, it's never going to happen, they would have just had Jericho beat Tanahashi, maybe, you know, use a chair or something like cheat somehow and beat him um, using some sort of skullduggery where there's a, there's a, a way out and it keeps Tana looking kind of strong. The fact they made Jericho look this strong, that's what makes me think we got more plans for this. We can't leave Tanahashi no. like this. No. So, um, so what was your book? What was your, because I know what your booking was before, both of our booking. We both thought Tanahashi was going to win here and then yeah. come to AEW and challenge it and open the forbidden door and create that relationship. So post this, now we've got John Moxley holding the U.S. championship, challenging Minoru Suzuki, although he cannot, as the U.S. champion, he can't wrestle Suzuki on American soil. We know that's in his contract. So he has to go to Japan to have this feud. Okay. Does he, does he go to Japan under the auspices of AEW? Uh, and with, with Jericho now beating Tanahashi, where do you think this relationship is at? Where is it going to go? I think we're going to hear some kind of announcement. It'll be, what will be really telling is if Jericho comes out with the inner circle Wednesday, tomorrow night on Dynamite and actually references the fact that I tapped out Tanahashi in the Lion Tamer or whatever it's called um, in, uh, in, at Wrestle Kingdom. The ace, the one and only Tana, Hiroshi Tanahashi. I, I tapped him out. Look at me. I'm amazing. Aren't I the biggest, baddest champ? There's got to be something that happens right there that just kind of, some kind of pop. Does Tanahashi pop out and show up on AEW TV to re-challenge him? Does a Tron get played? That's a video message from Tana. Uh, so all kinds of stuff I think could happen here. Where this got interesting for me was we now have more than one crossover thing happening with Suzuki and Moxley now. Because we had both assumed that uh, they were going to pay off Juice and he was going to be get his U.S. title back. I think where I started to question that went all the way back to when they won the tag championships. And I went, wait, what? Now, are you going to make him juice two belts? Could no, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, my head started to go wonky at that point. The, the intriguing part here is it's not just Tanahashi Jericho anymore. It's Moxley Suzuki as well. And I put right. them on the same caliber of importance. The, the two of them at each other like that, they both get me excited in the same kind of ways. But if it somehow does, combined, open that forbidden door and they all find a way to work together, partnership, <laughs> there is an impending North American tour for the rest of the month coming. Sure. Mm-hmm. I would not be... If you remember before AEW, when they were first getting started, they were just showing up at random indie events. Yep. Uh, so... I don't know, could Moxley or Jericho just randomly show up in Raleigh, North Carolina on January 27th for the NJPW tour stop, North American tour stop? Well, that's the question. I think that in the AEW contract, it says that they can't wrestle for New Japan in America. I believe they can't that's wrestle. in the wrestle. They can show up. Well, that's the question. Is there, is there a loophole? And is Tony Khan willing to have add an addendum to their contracts? You know what I mean? Where... If they get permission, they can do it. Like this is the door. The door is not "quote unquote" closed. Jericho, even after this match on social media and in the press conferences, has, has said the door isn't closed. Like he beat Tanahashi, but the door isn't closed. So that right. means he, he. I mean, even in character, even in kayfabe, he's still like 
yeah, let's make this work. You know what I mean? So that's even with his kind of, you know, scheming asshole character in AEW, he's still saying, I don't mind wrestling New Japan guys. So that's very intriguing and uh, obviously very exciting as well. I'll, Speaking I'll of this, exciting. Let me say yeah. this one last thing real quick. If, if yeah, yeah. by some chance they get to hear this, uh, this is bigger than AEW or New Japan, in my opinion. This, this it could is, be. It could this be. Is, yeah. This could stand to be one of the biggest things that happen ever in professional wrestling. Not since something like uh, Vince buying WCW have we seen a, an opportunity of two mergings of massive companies in professional wrestling like this. You know, but that's, it, it that's, could be big. That is a. That is a. It's a, that's that's like that's a monumental task to to I get it. already jump to all the way to the conclusion that these these two companies working together that that. Uh, in that level of synergy, uh, I would I would like to think that they could, you know, but that that takes a whole lot of trust and a whole lot of cooperation, and we're already starting off with relationships between these companies that are based on one being screwed over by the other, so they're already off yeah. to a bad start. So I think there's a long way to go there. It could become exciting. But I think we're a long ways off. We might be seeing baby steps. And this is definitely baby steps that we're seeing right here. The fact that the AEW wrestlers are still allowed to go to New Japan and, and beat their top guys, is that's a really good sign still so far. Uh, Skeptically Nick, optimistic. The, I'll, I'll close with that. Man, I, underline on the optimistic, bold, yeah. it, italicized. Like, I want to be so optimistic about this. Yeah. Uh, the last, the final two matches. And two more of the best matches on the day. Like, Jesus, this match was full of, uh, the, 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 this card was full of great matches. Nick. It felt like we would never get here. Like, we knew shortly after the G1, probably getting into November time frame, we, would, we knew what we were going to have, and we've been sitting here speculating on it for two months. And I, and I have to say, when it got to this, even to the loser match, but not even then, when we got to that final match, it was... Oh my God! This is actually happening. It's happening. <laughs> well, let's talk about the loser match first, right. I and mean, it's not really a loser match. It's just the, you know, you've got the four guys going for both belts, and you got to have two guys who determine who's going home. You know, zero and two, and who's just going home one and one. Uh, Kota Ibushi lost to Okada on night one. He faced Jay White, who lost his IC belt to Tetsuya Naito, and it was interesting because when we were booking this, we said this wasn't going to be that interesting of a match because it was essentially a, it was a a rehash of the G1 Climax Final. And both these guys didn't really have anything to fight for here. Well, props to Kevin Kelly for giving us the context for this because coming into this, he set it up so that it really did feel like there was, this was for honor, this was for making sure that you didn't go home, totally empty-handed. Um, you know, in, in a sense, it was Ibushi coming in a little bit mentally unprepared, uh, weakened, if you will, Jay White coming in with a lot to prove and pissed off um, and wanting to not only make up for the loss he had the previous night to Naito, but the loss he had to Ibushi back at the G1. So it ended mm. up giving a lot of context to this match before it even began. And then this match, in my opinion, massively over-delivered. My God, this was an entertaining match. Just Ibushi being... Is there, anything, is there any better no-selling than Ibushi no-selling? No. And, like, and I don't know like where this came from. Um, it's been organically happening over the years. I've, I've seen it as far back as his match with uh, Ishii at the G1 last year. Okay. Uh, perhaps before that. But it's been It was growing. most prominent for me um, 
in the Okada match the night before, on night one of Wrestle Kingdom, when he went to that dark place and just started like closed fist punching him in the corner, yeah. I was like, oh my God, is, it, what's is great this like is, a legit heel turn? Is he really flipping here or what is going well, what's, on? What's great is that, that New Japan has room for nuance like this where yeah. you can sit there and go, what exactly is going on with Ibushi? They're talking about it like he's got a, he's emotionally fragile and if you push him too hard, he shuts down and goes into like what they're calling a fugue state, or like if you're if you're a fan of Tekken, that he gets a demon trigger, nice. <laughs> and he just goes like he just goes psycho, uh, goes totally cold, totally dead. Nothing hurts him. What a Goto hit him with a chair, and he just turned around, no sold the chair, turned around, went to the demon state. Gato, you Go- mean not Goto? Gato, Goto, Go- Gato. Excuse me, Gato was just interfering all over this match. Finally, like gets involved. And tr- start trying to punch Ibushi. Ibushi just absolutely no selling, and then just punches Gato once, and Gato in the heart, and Gato drops like a stone. Just, I mean, because there's an art to no selling. You, like there's a time to no sell, and there's a time not to no sell. And the artistry of Ibushi's no selling here makes Hulk Hogan look like a cartoon drawing by a kindergartner. Right. This was absolutely brilliant and so exciting. And it got you so invested in the match. And it also made you scared as hell of Ibushi. Because, Nick, I don't know about you, but, but Deadeye Ibushi is absolutely terrifying. Yeah, especially and in the Okada awesome. match when he started doing it. I, I, right. I was like, oh, sh- I, what? What is this? But here he was using it for the powers of good where he was like, you were gonna, he's going he's gonna to kick Jay White's ass with this thing. And it took everything that Jay White and Gato could do, just all of the tomfoolery and skullduggery that they could pull out to finally like like brass knuckles and um, what it was it was a chair and then brass knuckles out of nowhere to finally put a bushy down and once he was down Jay White is so beat up he can barely stand and this is how good he is as a heel by the way Nick did you see this where he's so beat up he's trying to pick a bushy up to do the uh, the the his Blade Runner finish and he's so exhausted he has to, he has to go down to one knee. And he's just such a great heel that he know he sells that moment like, yes, I'm so exhausted, but he's he's laughing. He's laughing as he goes down to one knee. He's like, Yeah, I can barely stand, but you know what? I got this son of a bitch. And it's just that slimy son of a bitch heel thing that he does. Blade Runner, he wins, he beats Ibushi one, two, three. Just mwah. great rematch brilliant. of the G one final. I think it was oh. brilliant. Um, and if I had really thought about it. When I was doing this and how it having things shake out the way that they did, sending us back to a losers match that was a rematch, re rebooking of the G one final. I, and an I, I would have picked this way all day. Absolutely. And an inversion of that match where Jay White, you know, redeems himself, gets his yep. win back. Yep. And Abushi leaves Wrestle Kingdom because you were you were anointing Abushi this year. And I said, yeah, I, I don't think so. I think I think Abushi has more time. They gotta build him up more. And so to have him leave Wrestle Kingdom kind of disgraced like this gives him something to fight for. Yeah. And you know when I started to question my own anointing was when he was walking down the ramp with the briefcase on night one. Really? And I I realized that there's really not much to him. There's not a lot of presence. He's just a random Japanese dude that's walking to the ring, down the ramp in trunks. There's no outfit. There's no nothing else going on. Is he one of the most agile and athletic workers in professional wrestling 100% absolutely but there there's that one thing that's missing that everybody else seems to have is that persona and i, I that presence 
And if they can find a way, and I'm not saying dress him up in some crazy costume, but there's got to be something besides just generic Japanese man A in wrestling trunks walking to the ring. I don't know how you could ever call Ibushi generic anything. The dude That's, is chiseled from granite. We and know he's, that. I mean, he's, he's, he looks like a Ken doll. He's a, he's a literally physically perfect specimen of a human being. Like it's, I'm not he's, questioning he's that freakish. And I, I do know what you're, you know what, Nick, I do know what you're saying actually. Like, cause I, right I after feel, that Okada's entrance yeah. blew the roof <laughs> off the place. You talk about right. a juxtaposition and that's my point. Okay. Compare Ibushi's entrance to what we saw immediately after that on night one from Okada. There's more levels of nuance you could give uh, sure. Ibushi. And I think they're, I think they're starting to work on that. So, and I'm happy to see that. Which actually, Nick, brings us perfectly to this final match. Yeah. Tetsuya Naito versus Kazuchika Okada. Again, headlining Wrestle Kingdom. This time, the third time, not for the not for just for the heavyweight belt. The heavyweight belt and the IC belt, winner take all. Okada coming in as the champ, the heavyweight champ. Naito coming in as the IC champ. Um, fresh off of last night. Both beat up from the night before. Naito perhaps a little bit more beat up. His legs messed up. Um, and also, I want to point this out for those of you who are new to New Japan. Um, welcome. Welcome to the party. Yeah. Um, but also, to, just to refresh people who have been watching it off and on, this is a seven-year journey for Naito. This, coming to this point, they had seven years of build for his character. And consistently made it so that there was an arc to this point over seven years that culminated in this match where they told a story in this match and his progress to this match. I, I want to do actually a whole bonus episode about Naito's journey because we could do, we could talk about it for hours. It is epic and it is nuanced and it's detailed and it's amazing. Even down to the name of his finisher, um, even down to um, you know, the, the way he, he peeks his eye open and where that came from, which is a fascinating story. But this match had so much emotion riding on it because there was so much history and history between these two guys as well. Um, and the way that Okada came into this where he was almost brushing off the fact that it was for both belts, he didn't care. He thought that only the, the heavyweight belt counted. The other three guys wanted to make it um, a, a double dash situation and he was like I don't care I'm defending my belt the important belt you guys do what you want in fact and this was a little twist in, in Naito's guts at the time he said tell you what we'll hold a fan vote if the fans want it to be for both belts then we'll do it that way which of course is a callback to the time that Naito had the main event at Wrestle Kingdom locked down and the, they didn't have faith in him so they put it to a fan vote which should be the main event and they voted that Naito Okada shouldn't be the main event. Um, and Naito never forgave them for that. So it was, it was a storytelling on that level that took place over most wow. of the last decade. Um, so much detail in that. And we're coming into this match. And Nick, I, I want to hear what, what your perspective was as someone who kind of came a bit late to this feud, to this story with Naito. How did you react to this match and to everything that happened in it? So uh, I think we've talked about it before. My first like, real experience with New Japan was the G1 in 2017. 
Right. Uh, 27? G1 27. And it was the year that they thought that Juice Robinson was the chosen one and everybody was speculating around that, but Naito ended up winning. And if Which, I'm by the way, is also, also uh, a great story because Kenny Omega had actually beaten him the year before, which was like one of his low points. And so he had to come back the next year and he thought that winning the G1 was his way of getting the championship. Um, and there's a whole like subtext where he had to learn that the ice is the hated IC belt, the intercontinental belt, the one that main evented over him at that wrestle kingdom, uh, that he hated so much that he wanted to, to destroy the belt when he won it from Michael Elgin, I believe, um, that he actually had to go and be humiliated by Okada at wrestle kingdom after winning that G one. And he had to go and spiral off into despair. And before he finally realized that he had to come to terms with the intercontinental belt and love it and believe in it. And it was his salvation and his way to winning the big, the big title and having that redemption. Yeah. Um, that G1 that you watched, that's where that was in his story. So that, the reason I was uh, saying that is because I almost immediately kind of fell hard for the Naito character. Like I saw his disposition. I saw that he was still a fighter and still a badass and could still win, but he wasn't really doing it for anybody else. He was kind of just doing it for himself in a way. And it, it was like a chip on your shoulder and just like an F you to everybody else. You go, see? Almost like Gladiator. Are you not entertained? Kind of yeah. that kind of attitude and disdain towards everything. And I, I dig it. I, I've, and I've been on the Naito train pretty much you know, right beside Naito Girl. She sits right next to me. Just, Naito! She was in full yeah. effect this weekend. By God, she was everywhere. Uh, so shout, well, out to, and, shout out to Naito Girl. And you know what? With good reason, because this was really... I remember how much people blew up when Naito lost to Okada at that Wrestle Kingdom yeah. um, this last time. You know, and they were like, no, this is, he was destined to win this one. And it's, it's, it's mind-blowing to think back in it now in this context where Naito comes in here and has this match and you know, how mad everyone was then. And that was the goddamn plan all along. Was, that was part of like, this plan. Like Kurt Sutter will sit in a room and just like uh, give treatments for seven seasons of a TV show and start at the end and work backwards. Like, has Gato yeah. figured out like the next five years already, and he's just kind of filling in, like what's gonna? He must. He <laughs> must. Because you right? almost like, have to operate that else, way. How else? How else are you gonna convince Naito to lie down to Okada at that Wrestle Kingdom match unless you say, "No, no, dude, there's a plan." Trust me. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> trust. I got you, you trust, bro. Trust in the Gato because he did. Because here we had this match. And a brilliant display of how these two guys know each other inside out. The last 15 minutes of this match was basically them just trading off uh, positions and blocking everything the other guy had and knowing whatever guy, oh, the other guy had coming. And then, Nick, we got to the point of the match where I stopped being uh, an analytical observer and I became a goddamn Mark fan. Yeah. And that was close to the end of the match where... They've both hit their finishing moves. They've both kicked, like, Okada has kicked out of the Destino. Naito has kicked out of the Rainmaker. And I will be goddamned if Naito doesn't, he, he gets Okada down. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly how this, how this went. Naito, um, he, he's hit Destino. He messes up his knee hitting it. He gives Okada a second longer, so Okada kicks out of Destino. Naito scoop slams Okada and then he drags him to the corner on the ground and I lost my damn mind because there's a move called 
the Stardust Press. It was his finisher back when he was the Stardust Genius, his original character, the one that he had to discard when he went to Japan, when he went to Mexico. And he tried this the last time Okada and he had a, had a match at Wrestle Kingdom and he missed and it cost him the match. And I'll be damned if the son of a bitch went for it again. And when he hit Stardust Press, I swear to God, I, when, he, when he hit it and then hit a Destino right afterwards, I, Nick, I, stuff was flying everywhere. Papers, Dog Ziggler, everything was flying through the air in my house. Like I, I lost <laughs> emotions. That was the, that was the moment. Ah, he hit the Stardust Press. Like truly, that that's the name of his move, Destino, Destiny. Like it was Destiny. It had to be this moment. It was absolutely amazing. This is why we watch pro wrestling, is for moments like that. It was absolutely unbelievably cathartic and amazing. That's a great so. word. I, that's I, and I wish I had the context and the history that you do from an emotional standpoint. The investment, right? Because I think that paid off a hundredfold to people that were that invested. But even to those of us that hadn't been along for that entire seven-year-plus journey, uh, I, I I still felt like this was one of the better matches that, frankly, I had ever seen. You know, yeah. And the Okada Ibushi match the night before. I mean, just there were so many. Th- is it hyperbole to say that this is easily the best Wrestle Kingdom ever? I mean, top to bottom, I I would have to go back and look at the other ones, but. This is this has to be up there. And both two nights of it. Two nights. They had enough content to put on two nights of nonstop killer matches. Like that's unbelievable. Um, Nick, we could talk about this all day. I would love we've already talked about this I think longer than we either <laughs> planned on it. But it's just it's so much good <sighs> stuff. We're obviously very passionate about it. It, it. it affected me a lot with the storytelling and just and seeing it contextually, Naito unifying the two sides of himself and his history and and, and putting it all together and winning it all. But Nick, that wasn't all because God damn it, Naito is in there celebrating the moment. The whole crowd is losing their minds, people crying in the crowd. He's he's screaming like finally, you know, Los Ingobernables. Like we were on, like I did it, I achieved my destiny. And as he's giving the the classic Los Ingobernables speech, uh, Bushi, Takagi, calling them all out, goddamn Kenta runs into the ring, lays him out, kicks him, and then sits on his damn chest holding both belts. Son of a bitch! You got that out of a Kevin Kelly, too, I think it was. You got... Oh, yeah. Goddamn, you goddamn son of a bitch! Son of a bitch! How dare you! People were legit pissed at this. <laughs> like, people, like, people... Oh, Naito girl was getting this. weapons. She was coming in. Oh, man, no. I, there are people on the internet I saw who were like, man, I, uh, you know, let Naito have his moment. That's just bullshit booking. That's just bullshit. I'm like, dude, that's literally the reaction that they want. Like, people were so hot, so hot at this. Naito finally does it, and goddamn Kenta ruins it. <laughs> Mwah, I say to that. Mwah. Brilliant. Great way to keep the storyline. It was going. a little, listen, I, I wish it would have been bigger other than him coming in and just kind of ruining the moment and then skittering away. There was no <laughs> grand finale to, the, like, you know what I mean by that? Like, of course, we had the big finale well, of Naito getting both belts and his speech and naming off all of LIJ, and that was beautiful. But the coming in, the cheap kick, the, uh, the he gave him a GTS, didn't he? If I'm not yeah, mistaken. He, yeah, he, he gave him a GTS. Uh, sliding, and he's, he's laid out with the GTS, yeah. picks up both belts uh, and then just kind of runs off with no real pomp and circumstance. And we're just left there going, uh, and even Kevin Kelly's mad and just going, oh, I guess we're going off the air. All right, yeah. thanks, guys. Bye. And I was just like, oh, no, don't let it in like that. 
Yeah, which is kind I, of exactly I, what, what they want. I understand, wanted. like if you were there, like Naito got back up and they finished the celebration. But you know, yeah, for those who was watching on TV, it was definitely kind of like. <laughs> but at the same time, it's also kind of like, yay, big moment. Stay tuned, we got more. Yeah. You know, like that's also kind of how I felt about it. So I, I wasn't too mad about it. I was sitting there going, love that heel heat, and also kind of was like, go Kenta, another guy who a year ago was miserable. You know, a year and a half ago was miserable in WWE. Now yeah. look at him, fit closing out Wrestle Kingdom. Like, live your best life, bro. Um, so Go Nick, Nick at the end of the day, at the end of the day, night one six four me, night two six four me. Overall twelve eight. I take the pickums as you said though. I'm pretty proud of that, man. I got to be you honest with be. you. You should be. You should be. I, I, I for good. the most part hung with you on a on a big on New Japan Wrestle Kingdom, right? Yeah. Yeah, wow. there were some that I was I you legit got and I didn't. I was I was like, damn it, that's totally yeah, Nick got me on that one. So fair go, fair go. Uh, I'm on I'm on the comeback trail. 2020 is my year, buddy. I, I I ended 2019 terribly in the pickums. I'm coming back for you. All right, Royal Rumble's on the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but first, there was we got some New Year's Dash results. It's where the they get set up for the new year. All of the new uh, feuds get started there. We also had Liger having his official retirement ceremony. They gave him a 10 uh, gong salute, 10 bell salute. Uh, and I was okay with it. I was okay with everything until I saw Tanahashi crying. Mm. Then I got, and then I got a little misty. Little, mm, my room got a little dusty. Full right, disclosure, I've not watched this yet. I'll be watching it tomorrow, but. Um, oh, dude. Oh. I shouldn't have spoiled it, man. That Tanahashi. No, it's okay. Getting, getting, for the show, <sighs> we got to do it for the listeners. You're right. You're right. When, well, when you see it, Nick, text me I'll, and let me know when, and, you know, yeah, you're, you, it's like it's all fine until Tanahashi's going and then you're just like, you, you lose it. Um, speaking of Tanahashi, it looks like he and Ibushi will be forming a tag team. They challenged uh, Finn Juice. Yeah, what? which all I have to say to that is, all I have to say to that is, um, hope, you, hope you enjoyed those championships there, Finn Juice. You're not yeah. going to hold them for long. Good God. Um, I, is this kind of tag like you hate that tag booking in WWE where you have two big singles guys join up? But they kind of do that a lot. And I mean, you know, Finn and uh, Finn and Juice are both singles guys. I mean, are you okay with this, Nick? Eh, <laughs> no, not not really. And not and really. What I mean, are, are they just trying to get the tag titles off of them so Juice can go be U.S. champion and do his thing? Um, and then what's left for David Finley? You know, so I, yeah, or or is this like Ibushi has to fall farther and then he and Tanahashi get into it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm curious. Very interesting booking there. Um, Shingo Takagi came out and said, "Hey, Goto, you and I are one and one. You're now a champion, and I want your belt." And they Rubber started hitting match. the crap out of each other. Let's they started go. hitting the crap out of each other. Uh, speaking of hitting the crap out of each other, Moxley and and uh, Suzuki just stood in the ring together and traded shots. And if you guys, you can find this on the internet. You can find the, uh, Nick, did we post it in the Facebook discussion group? Somebody did post it in the group. And the only meme that I could think, a gif that I could think of to put up was the Emma Stone freak out. Just, uh, oh, oh, God. Yeah. (laughs) When you see, (laughs) I don't want to spoil too much of it, but the open hand, open palm across the face that Moxie gives to Suzuki. And you see just the mist mist of sweat just go flying off him. He hit... It's a new year. He hit the fuck out of him. 
Well, to be clear, Smack! he's gonna get he's gonna get hit back like that a lot. That's kind of what Suzuki's known for is just slapping the crap out of people. So yeah. and Moxley loves that. it. <laughs> um, Kenta is getting his shot. It's official. He's getting a shot at both titles. It's gonna be a double title shot at New Beginning. So he's getting a shot at what did he both do to earn Naito's that? Titles. He beat up Naito, and Naito was like, "Cool, you want me? Come and get me." Uh, so there you go. Kenta's having a shot at New Beginning. And uh, finally, we want you wanted to give a, a little uh, talk about Sonata's future. What do you have to say about Sonata? Where's he oh, going? What's happening with him? Uh, we don't have time for that. We can do that another time. Um, All right. I, I'm, just gonna, I, I'm just gonna say his contract is up, and WWE wants him. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah. And that might be why he lost the wrestling. That's Kingdom. what I, I was just, thinking. NXT much the same way Kushida did. So that's all. Just saying. Yeah. Just saying. Son, uh, uh, Sonata would be money in WWE. Yeah. Just saying. Speaking of WWE, Nick, uh, that is it for Wrestle Kingdom. Good, oh, sweet lord. But we are not done. We actually had, I thought, a very entertaining episode of Monday Night Raw. Kevin Owens and Samoa Joe have it in for Seth Rollins and the AOP, but they needed help. Yes. And Joe Three on lets, two. That ain't going to work. No go. No go. Samoa, so Joe, Samoa has Joe a plan. lets Kevin know that he's got a guy. I got a guy. I know a guy. I got to know a guy. I got to do it. I got, I'm doing some work. I got the work. And Kevin Owens like, what work are you doing? <laughs> Neither of us work well together. Like, we're not good with other people. I don't trust you. You don't trust me. Who, who, what guy do you got? And uh, there's even a nice segment in the show where Joe was like, you want to know? You really want to know? All right, I'll show what you. If, what me. if I showed you? Would that make what you feel I better? You? So Kathy Kelly and the camera crew follow them to the backstage area. Joe opens the door to like a dark closet. <laughs> and Kevin Owens peeks in and comes back out with a big grin on his face. And he's like, yeah, we're good. Oh, yeah. we're good. Yeah. <laughs> We're good. And you know what? He was right. We had a match. Seth Rollins was was no selling it. He's like, yeah, me and AOP, we're good. Doesn't matter who they got. We'll kill them. Yeah. So Seth Rollins and AOP versus Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe, and Big Show. That's an O-O-O. Well. O-Show and Joe versus Seth and AOP. It went down kind of how you'd expect. Of course uh, it did. Ended, ended up with Big Show being, being set up for the curb stomp. Kevin Owens distracts Seth long enough for Big Show to land a weapon of mass destruction. Seth's dead. Gets dragged away by AOP after the match. Um, all right, so Big Show's back. How long until he turns on Kevin Owens and Joe? Uh, now, next, seriously, seriously though, what are, what are they doing here with Big Show? Like, What's the point of having am, him here? Am I the only... Listen, or is this a one-off? Mad love and respect for the career that Big Show has. I want to say that. Dude, mad love and respect for him getting himself into shape. The last few years, uh, he's been made a big to do about that. He was very uh, kind of sad. He was up over the 500 pound mark, got down to like just under 400, really trimmed up, got down into Braun Strowman territory and just like cut up, man. But am I the only so again, props, but am I the only one that kind of went, oh, 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 OK. Like I wanted it to be like. Oh my God! It just loses my mind. I wanted it to be. Is it going to be Morrison? Is it going to be somebody new? Is it going to be somebody Morrison's that's kind of on exciting? On I know. You know what I'm getting at, though. Is, is it going to be one of these new people that we need to pump up a little bit before we get to Royal Rumble in a few weeks? Well, this is no, kind of my it, question: is like, big is show. big? What is? What's the point of Big Show then? Like, why bring him out? You know what I mean? Like, because you're going to need somebody to to turn 
Samoa Joe and Kevin Owens at each other in a couple of weeks. Well, I, I, that's not what I read into it because I, I feel like that would be, as, and I know it's WWE, but we got Paul running Raw now. It seems like that would be too obvious. Okay. I think more what the point is is Big Show is Big Show is now a fan favorite. He came back as a face. Everyone's happy to see him. Like like you said, no one's sitting here like losing their minds about it, but they're like, oh, cool, Big Show. And he had a nice, you know, he came back, knocked out seven, Seth Rollins. Cool. Next week he's going to die. Like they have another match next week. Big Show will be involved, and Seth and AOP will murder Big Show as a way to get more heat. That's it's, that's kind of my thought on it. Yeah, but it's a, a <laughs> okay. fist fight? What, yeah. what what exactly is since the first ever we've never seen this before are, is somebody actually going to square up with Big Show and try are they going to just trade punches trade shots and who can knock the other one out first is this like a game of playing Rochambeau with Cartman like first I, I, I kick you in the nuts like, and then you kick me in the nuts well I <laughs> I feel like it's something where they're the what they're doing with Seth's character is he's got the Messiah complex he's cocky but he's also not an idiot. He's got a plan. In my opinion, like that's what they seem to be leading on to is like, you know, whether it's they they he's got some like heat taped in his knuckles, you know what I'm saying, or something. Something is going to happen there. My but the bottom line here is I'm liking how they're evolving the relationship between Joe and KO. I uh, I'm not mad at Big Show getting involved as a way to just kind of stretch this out to Royal Rumble. Uh, Seth and AOP are still really fun to watch. Like all of this stuff is entertaining. It's good WWE TV. Like as WWE TV goes, this is good stuff. Yeah. So I'm not mad at any of this. I'm curious where they're going to go with Big Show. Um, if even you know how long he's going to stick around for. So yeah, not mad at it. Uh, I would like to I, see okay. Seth come out. I would. You know, the AOP are known for the tactical vests in NXT. I would like to see, and this is just me being a shield mark, I think it would look really oh, awesome Lord. if Seth did the tactical vest with AOP and they looked like a unit. And I don't like, I hope this evolves if they're going to make this a long-term thing, but again, they're coming out with separate entrances. And that leads me to believe that they're not a cohesive unit. And I'd I, rather I, I don't want to read too much into that. Like at least they're not like going back and forth, panning back and forth between the two songs, the two entrance songs. That's fair. Hopefully they learn that lesson with those two. But I, is this a, a thing that's going to be long-term, or is this just short-term to get Seth to Mania? I, I hope it's a reasonable amount of time. I like it. as a, It's a lot better than uh, Mercury and Noble. I'm not a big fan of the, uh, like the, little, you know, the little sacrificial lamb guys. I yeah. like the fact he's got two big burly dudes. I mean... And, and I don't think that they're not unified. Like, yeah, they don't have the tack vests on. I, I wouldn't want them to have those on because it would be too reminiscent of the shield. But they, now they look like, you know, two angry bouncers and the, and the restaurant manager coming out. Like, it does, there's a theme going on here, like the, the three smarmy bouncers. So I'm not entirely mad at it. Um, yeah, we'll see where it evolves to. I, I, yeah. I, I like it so far. Okay. Uh, Nick, there's something we definitely have to talk about because a huge announcement was made at the top of the show. Yeah. Paul Heyman, Brock Lesnar, they come out. Uh, typical Paul Heyman speech. He's Brock Lesnar. He's dominant. He kicks everybody's ass. And to prove it, we're going to have him come out at number one at the Royal Rumble. And he's going to win the Royal Rumble. Now, he's currently the champ. So... Nick, there's a lot to unpack here. Okay. Yep. One, he's Brock Lesnar. 
Okay, well, hold on. <laughs> one, he's pants. not winning. Keep it in your pants. One, he's coming out at number one in the Royal Rumble. Two, Paul Heyman said he's going to win it. And Nick, before you say he's not winning it, Heyman does not deploy the that's not a prediction, that's a spoiler, unless he's he's never lied about that. Every time he said every single time he said that, it has been true. And I and the question I have about that one is, do you think this is the one where he's going to spend it making us believe that Brock Lesnar's not winning the Royal Rumble? Okay. And be, let, be untrue? Let's say it happens. Let's let's so, let's work let, let, this let, out. What happens if that does happen? Well, what is the consequence of that? One at a time. What do you think about Brock coming out at number one? Is that a good idea, booking-wise, for the Royal Rumble? Yeah, I'm going to borrow from Simon and say if it's okay for the champion to enter the G1, it's okay for the champion to enter the Royal Rumble. From that perspective, regardless of what position it is. All right, fine. That's totally fine. Okada basically ran the card in the A block all the way through the G1 this year. He's just as dominant as Brock is. Fair? Fine. Uh, At the end of the day, is he going to win the Royal Rumble? Yes or no? Uh, If yes, I'm interested because it's going to put us in a position where are we looking at Fiend Brock for a two-belt or title (laughs) unification scenario at WrestleMania? Are they going to rip it off like Wrestle Kingdom and say we're going for both belts and we're going to unify the belts? Which would be interesting. You might have my attention. Or is Brock going to face Brock at WrestleMania? Right, Brock wrestles <laughs> himself, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> I want two, three, I win. Uh, I win? Uh, so, yeah, that's that, there's a few questions here with how this is going to work out. Also, like, I, I'm sorry. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't rating this at all. I wasn't paying attention. I was like, okay, so this is going to be Brock gets in the rumble until someone comes along and takes him out, and that's the person he's going to face at WrestleMania or he's going to feud with. Great, no problem. And whoever wins the Rumble is then going to go ranks. on and face face <laughs> uh, face the Fiend, right? Um, so that was kind of an initial thought until Paul busted out the spoiler thing. He doesn't deploy that unless he's going to be right. So, Nick, I'm shook by that. Like, that really shook me. That's, I sat right the hell up when he said that. I rewound it a couple of times. I'm like... Did he leave himself a, like a wiggle room? He said, no, Brock is entering number one and winning the Royal Rumble. And that's not a prediction. That's a spoiler. There's no wiggle room. That's what he said. So that's really got my attention. Nothing else about this got my attention more than that. I always tend to think of consequences and like the next thing, the next two steps, like what, what's, what's next if a certain thing happens, right? This is where my crazy fantasy booking tinfoil hat stuff comes from, right? Oh, Lord. So yeah. Th- that's because that's just the way my mind processes things. It's like uh, if A happens, what's what's B? So I think of things like is Brock sometime between Rumble and Mania going to drop the belt to someone else, and will he be able to challenge back for it by the time we get to Mania? One. Sure. Is sure. there that Brock being able to challenge the Fiend for the Universal Championship, the Blue Universal Championship, Right. Um, to do some kind of unification, right? We maybe we're tired of having two top belts. Maybe we just have one top belt now that Raw seems to be a little overloaded. So mm. I don't know. Does the fiend get to take down the beast to anoint right. him? Like that right. would be one way to just oh my God stamp Bray Wyatt. <laughs> and, Big time. 
But yeah. again, the other question is like, let's just look at the near time, the, the the nearby picture. If Brock does win the Rumble, that's gonna be a shitty Rumble. <laughs> He's yeah. in it the whole time, kills everyone and wins. Like one, one at a time, just absolutely. That's kind just, of what if he just runs straight boring. through person by person. F5s them, they're done. F5, and he has to do or, that you know, 30 times. No, no, no. It's Brock Lesnar. He's going to get put through a table and lie outside the ring for half an hour and then get in for the final three. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. how it's going to be. Like, same was when Roman Reigns in ring at one. He's going to go through everybody. He's going to take it take him to the back after the sixth entrant and he's going to hang out till entrant number 29 and come back. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, that sucks. That's a shitty rumble if that's how they're going to book it. So I hope they have something up their sleeve. Besides, Brock wins Rumble lol. Because, yeah, we're going to crap all over that if he does. Okay, but, yeah, I'll give you a yeah, question. They said he, he will. Brock Lesnar or Roman Reigns winning the Rumble? Which would you prefer? <sighs> Seriously. Brock, because we've seen, we've seen Roman do it too recently too many times. And it's too predictable because then Roman turns around and challenges Brock, and we know exactly what we're going to be doing for the next four months. Okay, would I like someone to poop in my mouth or my eyeball? Like, that's not a good <laughs> choice, Nick. That's not a legit... Don't, don't crow like you just got me on something. That's not a, got, that's not a gotcha question. Good Lord. Uh, all, right. all right. Other stuff on the show. We had quite a few title matches on the show, too. We had yep. uh, Rey, Rey Mysterio and Andrade Cien Almas in a rematch from Madison Square Garden. Ray trying to get his U.S. title back. And this was a three-segment match, and it was baller. Good Lord, what a match. Except, the hell was up with that finish? It was uh, Ray accidentally runs into Zelina. They had to restart no, the match. because threw they, him into her. Well, but so first you had the match get restarted after uh, Zelina pulled Andrade's leg on the bottom rope. Originally, right. it looked like Ray had won the title back. Uh, Zelina, though, the, pointed out to the ref, his, his leg was on the bottom rope. Restart the match. They restart the match. <laughs> yep. Restart the match. They start going again. Uh, Ray ends up running into Zelina Vega. As you said, he gets tossed off of Andrade's shoulders onto her. He's concerned, but it was a weird moment because he got back in the ring. It looked like Andrade was going to go for the hammerlock DDT. The ref stopped them. Ref stopped them. Throws uh, Ray back outside the ring. Andrade's in the ring going, what the hell is going on? What am I waiting for? Ray goes outside, sells that he, he's concerned for Zelina some more. And then gets back in and, and eats the double arm DDT. I have a wife. Did, I have a daughter. Whatever did all that they, was. Well, yeah. What was was this just WWE needed that moment of Ray caring for Zelina some more, and they just blatantly just did it, even though it killed the match's momentum. Was that I what you think, think this was? I think this was all a hot shot because John Cole messed up. Oh, you're blaming John Cone. Tinfoil hat. This was all a hot shot. John Cone effed up. How dare you blame my boy? And then he, he Johnny caught Angel. it. And you, Johnny Angel. The earpiece going and everything. And it was oh, yeah. he was explaining to Ray over in the corner while he was getting information relayed into his ear. Restart the match. Let's get it going again. Have him hit Zelina. All this stuff. And Andrade rip his mask off. And that'll be so dramatic and blah, blah, blah. I think all of that was decided in five seconds. Because John Cone mm. missed the leg on the rope. That's oh my, no, he didn't. My oh, you, no, crazy theory they had, crafting. They had too much rest of the match. Like they were given too much time. It, if it had been restart the match and then hammerlock, boom, done. I'd agree with you. But they have too much extra time to give. I'm just talking about the very finish of the second part. Um, so yeah, who knows? Who knows? But this was. It was also interesting that they gave away the title change at Madison Square Garden. 
only to have this match here. Because had, yeah. had, had Andrade won it here in front of the bigger audience, I think it would have meant more. Yeah. As opposed to this finish here. It was weird. It was very weird. And then Ray beats him up afterward to get his mask back backstage. So this feud might be continuing, which is fine because, good God, I can watch these guys wrestle forever. Me too. Uh, something I, I don't want to watch forever, Lana and Lashley. Lana and Lashley had another segment this week. Uh, obviously, their wedding was ruined last week. So they brought the officiant back out this week, although en route to the ring, the officiant got tackled by security they didn't know they tried to kill him they didn't know he was supposed to he was they thought he was an overzealous fan what in a and blue like, suit <laughs> just jumping the rail it was great as the camera guys didn't know either so they're keeping on it because they were they're like we're supposed to be on the efficient right so they're watching him the security guards murder him and they're like wait wait this isn't supposed to and crap. they pull away hand of the crap <laughs> oh this is great and then the rest of the segment the efficient guy is standing there. He's all rumpled. His hair is all messed up because he's just been murdered by a couple of security. He guards. looked pissed. <laughs> and it you played into it well because he's like, God damn it. I've got to do this again this week. After all the objections have been heard, can we please get along all with this? The, all of the nonsense this poor bastard had to put up with in kayfabe last week. And then in this week, he comes out and has to get tackled. He took an ass whooping. <laughs> And has to do the same shit all over again. It's a legit ass whooping. Oh, his performance was brilliant. You're right. He was so flustered and exasperated. <laughs> just like, you sons of bitches. I bet. <laughs> I've been granted emergency powers by the state of Oklahoma. Can we just goddamn do this? Yep. Oh, my God. Um, all right. So I have to admit, Nick, uh, don't hurt me. I was entertained by this segment this week. I was because Rusev shows up on the Titan Tron and after so they pronounce him man and wife, man and wife, Lana and Lashley, man and wife, cool, they kiss, whatever. Rusev shows up on the Titan Tron in a Hawaiian shirt with a very obvious green screen beach background. And he's like, Hey guys, what do you know? I'm at the beach. I took my own honeymoon. I don't care about you guys. I'm living my best life. I'm Rusev. Um and he it was just hilarious. It was just fun, charismatic Rusev. That's the part I was liking about this. Was Rusev was Rusev was making me chuckle. Um, I liked he said we're going to get the Bulgarian brute back, and I'm going to well, come back and I'm going to whip your ass. And then Bobby Lashley goes on to tell him that he's going to make him eat his own balls. Right. Something. Come like on, that. Bob. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tear your balls off and make you eat them or something. Shove them down your throat. What? Uh, huh? Are you twelve? So Bobby here's Lashley, the, come on, there's man. A, there's a couple of things that I liked about this. Lana screaming at Rusev, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. And Lashley going, shut up yeah. to her before, and her just being like, what, what? And the Excuse crowd being me? like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I like I that they're setting that up there. That was the one um, glimmer of hope I saw that this could end <laughs> soon. Um, but then Lashley turning back to Rusev and saying, yeah, I'm going to rip your balls up, shove them down your throat. And then Rusev getting real serious, looking dead in the camera. And I saw... Um, uh, he was wearing the uh, the uh, um, uh, the one the shirt from Predator. Um, Dylan, you son of a bitch! Oh yeah, that shirt, right? And he sounded like I know he's got a Bulgarian accent, but I'll be damned if he didn't sound a hell of a lot like Schwarzenegger. Say, so, uh, guess what, Lashley? Guess who's coming back? The Bulgarian brute. He's gonna come back and he's gonna brutalize you. He's gonna tell you limb from limb. And guess what, Lana? Whatever's left. You can have it. 
We're about to goddamn spine. Stop and shove my fist into your stomach. We're about to goddamn spine. We'll see you at the party, Richter. Oh, so I was All digging right. that. I yeah. dug that. I'm not going to lie. Like, now that we're past a lot of... And honestly, their, their recap video of the wedding segment made it seem a lot more entertaining because the, the sound effects and stuff they had with it, right? Like, oh, the ex-husband comes out and objects and Bobby takes him out and whamp, 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 and then we're back to the wedding music. Like, I, I saw what they were going for with that segment when they did the replay of it. It was still like, oh, God. But at least I understood more what they were trying to go for. And it's, it's obvious they know what they're trying, what they're doing here is supposed to be ridiculous and trashy and over the top and, and stupid, frankly. They know it's supposed to be stupid. And Rusev having this much fun with it and then turning serious, it's obvious that, that, that I thought was them saying, okay, now we're going to start having some damn matches. And Liv Morgan next week is going to be in Rusev's corner and Lana and Lashley uh, over in their corner. All right, cool. And it'll Let's be a, a moment to live for. Okay. All right. I just, I wasn't, this, this, I, I wasn't suffering this segment as much as I normally have been. So I'll just, I'll throw that out there, Nick. I didn't suffer as much with this segment. And having Rusev Schwarzenegger didn't, didn't hurt it at all. And not at all. Damn you. Uh, so we also, Nick, this was, I thought, your match of the night. Uh, the oh, yeah. tag team triple threat match. Until Ivar it, shit himself. It came out of nowhere. He didn't shit himself. He said he does. He ha- says he has in the past, but that was way too low on his butt cheek to be a shit stain. Maybe it was too many obviously, Z-packs. It was obviously, it was obviously, uh, uh, not Luke Gallows' face paint because he did a butt splash onto his face earlier. It's happened a few times already. <laughs> Get it out of your head. All right. Oh, sometimes I kill me. I'm sorry. Oh, anyway, yes, this match was fantastic. <laughs> Three legit actual tag teams having a legit actual tornado tag match where they were all tagging each other and uh, just taking, you know, lots of action. There was strategy in there of who was going to tag who and just, oh my God, this was so well done. I really, this was Ford and Ivar doing, doing cartwheels at the same time. This was the high point of the show for me. Yeah, it was lovely. Yeah, lovely. This is what their, this is what their tag team division should be, except Viking Raiders won in pretty declarative fashion, I yeah. thought. Uh, put down the OC, whose claim has been that they're the only ones that can beat the Viking Raiders. So where does the tag division go from here? Do you think AOP is going to step in and take the titles? Or are, is there more to be had here between these three teams in some way? I think there's more to be had here, and I think either the OC... It's probably going to be Street Profits next, but they're both face teams, so I'm not sure how you get them at each other. I think they do end up dropping them to the OC, and we eventually... you know, If we look forward far enough, do we get to Elimination Chamber? Do we have a tag team bout in Elimination Chamber? Or do we build this all the way to WrestleMania, where we have... Uh, you know, a, a tag team title bout between OC and Street Profits. I mean, you could book this any number that's of ways. Too far. That's too far away. I agree. But, but I'm, that's my point, though, is that you've got room to work here. Keep these three teams hot because they're fantastic. And if you bring AOP into the mix, eventually, once you get done with Owens and Samoa Joe, I think you could introduce AOP with a sneaky, shitty Seth Rollins ringside for them. 
uh, interfering, a la like a Jackson Riker for the Forgotten Sons, that can an actual wrestler that can interfere and, and mess with Did the other teams. Did you just say the Forgotten Goddamn, or, or like the Forgotten Sons? I meant in the same vein as ja- how Jackson Riker is ringside for Cutler and Blake. You've got I thought Seth you were Rollins. Nick booking a call-up for the Forgotten Sons, and I almost had a heart attack. No, no, that's for the bonus episode we're going to do later this month. Oh, maybe, God! M- maybe February. We'll see how far I can get. Uh, I've got a couple of um, long-distance flights this month that I'm going to be able to really get into this. So, uh, yeah, it's coming, okay. guys. Part do. Uh, <laughs> emphasis on deuce. Emphasis on deuce. Yeah, part deuce. Uh, we also had AJ Styles have a match with Akira Tozawa. Beat him pretty quickly. Almost went for Styles Clash. They realized he wants to piss off Randy Orton, so he gave him a, a draping DDT and an RKO for good measure. And just they announced that next week we're going to have AJ versus Randy Orton. Okay, where is this going, Nick? Like, this seems to be kind of just there. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah. They, they're trying to do the sort of blood feud thing that they were able to successfully do with Rollins and Owens, and it, they're trying to do it again with Styles and, and Orton, and it's just not working. Not there yet. And it started it, when AJ had the U.S. title, but now that that's completely out of his purview... Yeah, I guess he's left with the the dirty leavings of Randy Orton was messing with him during that whole U.S. title reign. It's just, that's where that's coming from, in my opinion. So don't I ever don't know where the, it goes. Nick, don't ever say the dirty leavings of Randy Orton ever again. <laughs> Hashtag phrasing. All right, fire, fire curious, curious where they're going with this. Becky Lynch came out, seemed very dejected, worried about her match with Asuka. Um, looked, by the way, looked badass coming out. Her outfit, the kind of uh, Kill Bill. Game of Death inspired outfit looked fantastic. Um, and her entrance looks great. And I love the fact that she set herself up as questioning herself going into the Asuka match. match looked very vulnerable. And then Asuka came out herself and screamed at Becky in Japanese the whole way down the ramp. And I loved it. If there was ever a moment where I said, hashtag they listen, I don't know how long I ranted and raved about having Asuka <laughs> just coming out and screaming in Japanese. But God, by God, they listen. Because they're doing it, and it just tickles me all over. I, I absolutely same. love this version of Asuka. Whether or not they stole it from Busted Wide Open podcast or not, I certainly love the fact that they did it. I love that that Asuka was keeping it fairly simple, so if you speak rudimentary Japanese, you know what she's saying. Um, you know, and I then even like point, pointed at, yeah, and then she was pointing at one guy in the audience be like, he knows, he knows what I'm saying. Uh, well, she, I know what Baka means, and she was calling back to you, Baka, 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 you idiot, idiot, stupid, 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 uh, halfway down the ring, being like, you know, you think you're going to beat me, you're not going to beat me. That the pretty basic stuff. Um, but uh, gets into the ring and uh, gets right up in Becky's face, and Becky doesn't say, they just lays her out with the right hand and marches away, looking cocky. And Oscar then just, you know, still kind of like shaking it off, screaming at her from the ring. Oh, this is beautiful. I love this. This was a great segment. Mm. Perfect, perfectly executed. Uh, I got nothing else to say about it. This was just awesome. Loved it. Yeah. I, I really hope they don't. I, I'm anxious to see how they end up booking this ultimately, how it ends up coming together, because I have high hopes for this match, and I'm worried that I'm getting a little bit overhyped for it. So I'm being, I'm tempering <laughs> my expectations a little bit. Dude, if they're anywhere near as good as last year's Royal Rumble match, like it's going to be a good match. Remember the yeah. last year's Rumble match was Horse. fantastic. Horse. So give me more Lynch and Asuka. Like, yes, this is what we wanted. Like, done, sold. Beautiful. This is why we were like, raw, rrr. I was sitting there, I was sitting there thinking, no, it was actually a it's a pretty good raw. Like, there's a lot to like about it. 
Uh, Charlotte and Sarah Logan, a match I didn't want to see. I didn't have to watch it. They brawled outside the ring, and it was just brutal. And Sarah Logan was like, I'm coming for you, Charlotte, and everyone's gunning for Charlotte in the Royal Rumble. Hang on, though. Something happened here. Yeah, it was just Charlotte and predictable win, but it was Sarah Logan. We One, we have no idea where she's been. There was no context given there on commentary or anything, but no. the, the spark of this for me was that she started to wrestle Charlotte's robe. Yeah, she's trying to tear up the robe, yeah. she Well, it looked like she was, right, she was, I was like, is there something here? Is she like a psychomaniac kind of character that's coming back? And I'm intrigued. Let's like see where this dog. goes. But of course, like they're going to have another match next week, and Charlotte's just going to yeah. put her down, and we're not going to get told anything, and it's going to well, go past us. And it'll I be a waste. Not. I hope not. I'm not sure what Ruby Riot's timetable is to come back, but I wouldn't mind her joining back up with Sarah Logan. Um, not that I think they should reform the Riot Squad. That's a step backwards, no. but it couldn't hurt. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Ruby was a surprise. I don't know how far along she is. I haven't checked recently, but I wouldn't be surprised if she was a surprise entrant in the Women's Rumble. Right. In a couple weeks. And I mean, having this be a tag team, given that they need more tag teams in the Women's Tag Team Division, oh, yeah. wouldn't be a bad idea. Liv's broken off. Sarah, Sarah Logan and Ruby Riot as a tag team. Even if it is the Riot Squad, that's fine. Man, Liv's just broken. Like I yeah. feel so bad for this. Like yep. this is this is her new gimmick. Oof. Uh, that being said, I'm. I curious. guess you could like say she idea. has to live with it. All right. I, I want you all to know that every once in a while, I'm ashamed of my podcast co-host. Ashamed. Ashamed. And I'm ashamed of you, Nick. Uh. So I like the idea of Charlotte being like everyone gunning for Charlotte, her being the odds on favorite to win the Rumble, and them just acknowledging that, and then everyone gunning for her. That aspect of this I like, so yeah. that's fine. Yeah. Last week it was Natalia, this week it's Sarah Logan. Cool. Uh, Alistair Black had a match which kill, uh, he killed Shelton Benjamin, and then Buddy Murphy decided he wasn't going to fight Alistair Black anymore. He was going to be mean and, and underhanded and get a chair and wrap it around Alistair's head and then kamagoye him with his knee and just brutalize him. I like this. Okay, so you can't beat Alistair Black straight up. So you're gonna you're gonna become a heel. Bring and, back Techno Viking, please. And well, even if it's not Techno Viking, just vicious killer Buddy Murphy. Yes. Um, getting under uh, Alistair's skin, like mm, love it. That's that's also some like I like that. If they're gonna be having a, a feud at this level, that's the perfect thing for both of them. Yeah, and if he's, off, if, if he turns out to be off. the one guy that can like. Get under Alistair Black's skin. He's the yeah. one guy, and you can long-term book the f out of that. Like sure. he can have other feuds, and Buddy Murphy just comes out. It just riles Alistair up and costs him the match. And oh my God, you can do all kinds of stuff with that. Establish yeah. that though. Like you uh, started I, it this week, but let's keep it going. But I like the fact that they established that in a straight-up match, Buddy Murphy goes zero and two to Alistair, and I thought that was the end of it. I like the fact that they're saying no, no, no. There's more, but Buddy Murphy's going to have to get vicious and cheat to on Alistair and piss him off. And now, I, now, now I'm like, cool. Where are we going with this? Now I'm I'm intrigued. They've got me hooked again. So and I'm like, and obviously, I want both these guys to to be on my TV. So right. liking that. Also, someone I like on my TV, Drew McIntyre. He's still squashing guys. He had guys. He squashed No Way Jose. Um, and then asked the audience if they wanted to see him, uh, give him another claymore. And he was actually like, kind of acting very facey and very like, like. Like Drew McIntyre, is he turning face, Nick? Mm -hmm. Just in time to win the Royal Rumble. I, I wouldn't be mad at it, but it's too soon. Like he has not been built up enough to win the Rumble. I don't think. Like I, Doesn't matter. I don't know. He's a big crazy Scotsman that and is going to go straight for the title. I I like the <laughs> fact that he's turning face, but 
I, I mean, I think that they should have done it a long time ago, but oh, they, yeah. they just couldn't. They couldn't. But now that now that Seth is heel, they need another big face on the brand. Yep. And I think Drew could absolutely be that. So, and I he also had a know fantastic that fantastic uh, face championship run in NXT uh, before he got injured and dropped it to Andrade. If there's so one he, person I know who will be super excited that Drew is is face again, it is Judith Brooke. Uh, and oh, you and, 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 and me. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But Judith, Judith Brooke will finally be able to watch him again. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, Eric Rowan came out and uh, beat the crap out of KJ Orso. Another Iron Claw. But he did give Mojo a peek into his cage backstage and scared, scared the crap out of Mojo. Uh, whatever's in there made him jump back. Okay, cool. Ro- 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 Rowan Shirtwatch. Eric oh, Rowan Ro- 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 Shirtwatch. Rowan Shirtwatch. Rowan Shirtwatch. Despised Idol. Or I, yeah, uh, Canadian Deathcore. If okay. you like like pig squeals and blast beats, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, basically. Not not my thing, but I'm not mad at them. No, like I'll put it on if I want to scare people. But <laughs> this is one of the harder ones I've seen Rowan wear. Like, all right, all right, buddy. Uh, and then, so here we are at the end of Raw. So far in the Rumble, we know confirmed. Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, AJ Styles, Randy Orton, Rey Mysterio, Ricochet, Eric Rowan, and Drew McIntyre. That's a lot of meat. Mm. And then AJ Styles, Rey Mysterio, and Ricochet. There's a lot of beef in there. A lot of beef. Um, And honestly, a couple of guys that you and I both could see winning it. Roman, Brock, and Drew all possibly could win this thing. Yep. So. Easily. Interesting. All three of them have unique stories as well going forward, and maybe even multiple different storylines. So, yeah, I, I, Drew right now, Roman makes the most sense. He's the obvious choice, but it's so predictable that it's boring. Uh, Drew is interesting because if it's part of his face turn and he comes out the following Raw after the Rumble, as the he, he does he be? It's kind of like a rise similar to what Becky Lynch experienced in a way, just kind of. You know, just out of nowhere, sort of pops yeah. up, and he's face, and he just won the rumble, and I'm coming for you, Brock Lesnar. And, well, let's yeah! see, because the last you know? time, the last time they anointed someone using the rumble was after they had three or four years of just abysmal, apocalyptic level rumbles where people just yeah. burn the place down afterwards, and that was Shinsuke Nakamura when they kind of anointed him, and he was on fire at the that time. That ain't worked out so well. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it, he went I don't know, on he's his, Intercontinental Champion. So We were excited for his match with AJ Styles at WrestleMania that year, and then it was kind of a dud, and then their feud was kind of a dud, and everything else he did was kind of a dud. Um, so I guess it's possible that like a guy like Drew could come in there and win, and they could get him over in one night and then spend two months building him up for Brock. But they're, they better get going with Drew and setting him up because – they got a long way to go. A lot of people still think he's a he's a, a, a healy heel, like the dirtiest psychopathic bastard. So they've got some work to get Drew ready because Shinsuke was ready. Like he was starting to fall off a little bit, like from his popularity going into the Rumble. So they've got to get Drew prepped for that, and they got about three weeks to do it. So, yeah, that's, yeah, kind of, that's, that's where my that's where my thought is on it. Yeah. So Nick. Something we do every show, yes. little way to, to keep things happy, and, and we do believe in putting out uh, positivity into this world and, 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 and creating that positive energy. So Indeed. every show, every show we have what we like to call a moment of positivity. Nick, what was your moment of positivity for this week, for this show, for the last few days? Are we including Wrestle Kingdom? I'm assuming Wrestle Kingdom is the last few days. 
You right? goddamn right. Everything we covered on this um, show. It's it's hard to pick a moment from it's it's easily from Wrestle Kingdom, but I'm torn between um, Liger laying down for Hiromu, and I'm torn between Okada and Ibushi and what a knockdown dragout fight that was, and I'm torn between the anointing of Naito two belts. And I think all of those are amazing, positive moments for any fan of professional wrestling, whether you know New Japan wrestling or not. And it's just more, even more rewarding if you do. But watching all of those moments, and that's just a few of the massive moments that happened this weekend. I, I can't think of any negative things that happened during Wrestle Kingdom. And it's very, very few and far between for me to be able to pick apart something. Um, but I can't think of anything, anything mm. that happened at Wrestle Kingdom. I was just not like, yeah, <laughs> seriously, yeah, that's straight up. So no, I want to, I want to say point. Wrestle. I want to say I want to cheat. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna have a cheap answer and just say Wrestle Kingdom 14. Because yeah. when was the last time we saw a pay per view, much less a two night pay per view, twelve yeah. hours of content where we couldn't find. Anything wrong with it that yeah. we wanted to tear apart? I, you took the words out of my mouth. I mean, and I could easily say, "Oh, Naito winning both belts, boom, sure. done." That's that's that was as happy as I was all weekend. I mean, but then, like you said, Hiromu coming back to the ring, Liger's retirement, um, Suzuki Moxley. Like there was so many moments that were just. Amazing, and that's just scratching the surface of all the good stuff. I mean, Ibushi Okada, the entire freaking match. Um, like I said, Jay White and like his laugh as he couldn't stand up right before he ended Ibushi. Um, so many little things in that whole show, and like we've been blessed with a lot of really wonderful shows uh, recently. And I, I am having like you, you put me, you put the question to me: Was this the best Wrestle Kingdom? And I'm actually having a hard time thinking of a better show overall, top to bottom. Like I'd have to go to one of the takeovers, NXT takeovers, and those shows are only two hours, and they're usually five matches. This was, as you said, this was two nights, uh, a total of 24 matches. Like, good God. That's a lot of stuff to get right. And not everything was an all-time classic. Like, there was some stuff that, not dragged, but, you know, moments where I was kind of like, it was a bit of a lull. All right. But, yeah, man, like, that was, that might be one of the best shows I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, and that's not hyperbole. That's not recency bias. Like, that's absolutely, like, I'm still flummoxed at how much good wrestling I saw in such a short period of time. I've, for the past two nights, I've slept fairly well. But I've... Lucky I bastard. still feel the point is I still feel completely drained and exhausted. <laughs> like I, I, it's been a long time. And you time. didn't even wrestle. It's been a long time. Exactly. It's been a long. I was exhausted and would barely keep my Just eyes open. It. Not yeah. to mention the fact that these guys, <sighs> Moxley, flew around the world and wrestled two nights. Yeah. You know. Well, I mean, dear God, Okada. Two 40 plus minute matches in a row. Ibushi, White, Naito, these guys, two crazy nights yeah. like that. <sighs> and I'm exhausted. Like, I'm, <laughs> I still feel exhausted. Yeah. So it's, it, what a weekend. 
Like that, I'm not to gonna me, lie. WrestleMania's got a lot to live up to this year. Well, oh, come on. It's, it's apples and oranges. Uh, two very different shows. But that's kind of what actually what I was going to get to next was actually if I was going to have my moment of positivity, it would literally be pretty much everything we talked about on the show today. Like this is one of the more like upbeat I've been during our entire show just because everything that I saw this weekend was I was entertained by Raw uh, on the average like for W like if you were looking at the average of WWE content, it was entertaining across the whole show. Yeah. It was a really solid episode. And then obviously Wrestle Kingdom. Everything we talked about on the show today, I'm like, you know what? A little damn good weekend for pro wrestling. So my moment of positivity is is everything. All the things is good. Like if you want to pin me to the wall, obviously it's Naito winning both belts. But if it's okay, aside from that, it's freaking everything. Everything is awesome. Everything is awesome. If I had to pick one thing, it would be Murder Grandpa surprising Moxley (laughs) after (laughs) retaining. His uh, U.S. championship. So, oh, or winning, uh, winning back his U.S. championship. Oh, and hearing 40,000 people. You know, I, I want to give a shout-out to Kyle, NXT Kyle. If you know Kyle, if you watch NXT, you know who Kyle is. He's the big, bald dude with the glasses. Always he's, the one, he's the one Kip Sabian kissed at uh, Fighter Fest. Right. Um, <laughs> and he tried to kiss Angel Garza that one time, but he missed him. Anyway, he Kyle got to go to New Japan and was live-tweeting about it most of the weekend. Um, and one of his tweets, I want to quote, he said, sex is cool, but you, have you ever say, saying Kaza Ninare with 40,000 people? And if you heard that when Minoru Suzuki came oh. out after that U.S. title match, it the roof blew off of that place. I've done Kaza Ninare with 2,000 people, and it feels pretty goddamn good. I can only imagine <laughs> that 20,000 times that would feel even better. So, yeah. Oh, Hope you had goodness. a good time, Kyle. Oh, man. Mm. Uh, well, Nick, that is our show, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Thanks for joining. Oh, no, wait. Oh, oh, we got just enough time for our other news. Lightning round. Beep, 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 beep. All right. So uh, quick ratings news raw only down 2%. They've been holding steady ever since football stopped being on Monday night. Funny mm. how that works. 2.39 million this week. So pretty solid for them these days, actually. Nice. Uh, Ember Moon. Ember Moon announced uh, that how she injured her ankle. Remember, she's out with an ankle injury right now. Achilles, you know how I she thought, injured wasn't it? it? She, you know how she injured it? She injured it because she was told one night she had to be chasing after the 24-7 title with everybody else, right? Remember how she was yeah. doing that for a second? Yeah. So she's chasing after everybody, and she was like, she told our truth. She's like, you know what? If I'm going to do this, I'm going for you. If I catch you, I'm taking you down. So be careful because, you know, if I take you down, I'm taking your title for real. So he's hauling ass with Carmella on his back. She's legit hauling ass after them, comes through the curtain into Gorilla, and apparently they stopped. And he put Carm- he was putting Carmella down, and Ember tried to stop so hard she busted her ankle. Uh, it was Achilles, uh, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just popped something. She felt something pop in her foot. Yeah, and, and Achilles are weird. You can be going just on a plant- like, jog, or you yep. just plant funny and pop. You know, doing. Yep. Yeah. So that is how she injured. Her ankle was running Poor too girl. hard after that goddamn 24-7 championship. Wouldn't you know uh, it? Uh, so the Rick, two people we said that WWE was 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 tempering and just putting on the side for right now, Ruby Riot got both her shoulders done, and a Ember Moon just blew her Achilles. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, 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 two women who could be really filling out the division right now. I can't right? wait till they come back because they're, they're, we missed you. Come back. Ric Flair 
tweeted that uh, one of the people who was uh, wrestling on Monday Night Raw this week was one of his top five performers in the WWE. I uh, said someone that wrestled on Monday Night Raw was in his top five. He says the other four know who they are because I've told them, but I'm telling this guy now. Andrade Flair. is now after Andrade is now in his top five after watching his match on Raw. Nothing, of course, to do, Nick, with the fact that Andrade is now engaged to his daughter. Nothing the future, to the do with that. The future Mister Flair. Yes, the future father of his of baby Flair. If you don't think he's taking her name, you're wrong. Right. So. <laughs> Yeah, Charlotte Cien Almas. I don't think that's going to happen. No. So, no. So, Ric Flair putting over Andrade on Twitter. Uh, and honestly, like, whether or not Andrade is marrying his daughter, like, I don't think he's wrong. I really don't think he's wrong. No. Uh, so, we mentioned Blood. I mentioned Bloodsport 3 earlier on. Josh Barnett, our boy. Love us some Josh Barnett. Good dude. He is having another uh, Bloodsport 3 event. The first official entrant in Bloodsport 3. Another one of our boys. Jeff Cobb. The best smelling wrestler in the business. Yes, the <laughs> suplex machine. The modern suplex machine. Sorry, Taz. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Someone's going to get suplexed out of their damn shoes. So Jeff Cobb in Bloodsport 3. Very excited. Uh, speaking of injuries to your foot, Osprey, Will Osprey. Remember that uh, sequence he did at Wrestle Kingdom where he did the Sasuke special outside and Hiromu caught him? And German suplexed him. Osprey lands on his feet anyways because he's a cat. Runs back at Hiromu. Hiromu throws him. He, does, like, he suplexes him again. Osprey somehow, somehow because he's inhuman, goes through the ring ropes back into the ring, lands on his hands and knees, stands up running, keeps running with the momentum, does another Sasuke special and hits Hiromu Takahashi. Absolutely insane sequence. Apparently somewhere in that, he busted his heel, did something to his heel. He's not sure what it was. Uh, he's getting x-rays as we speak, so hopefully we'll know what's up with Osprey. But Lord knows if someone's earned a bit of time on the shelf, it's that guy. Mm. Uh, he's lost the belt, so hopefully he can take some time to recuperate and it's nothing too serious with his heel. Uh, but good God, that guy's a monster. Yep. If you are one of the people wondering where Dexter Loomis and Rick Boogs are, Boogez, Boogs. <laughs> I'm sorry. I found out they're uh, they're going to go work Evolve. Evolve 143 and 144 are happening uh, Friday, January 17th and Saturday, January 18th at Wybor City on Friday and uh, Orlando on, on Saturday. Loomis and Boogs are wrestling both nights. So they are... Loomis is not AWOL. Boogs is not out of NXT. He's over in, in Evolve now. So there you go. Um, speaking of Evolve, actually, I wanted to bring something up. Okay. Uh, uh, apparently, Gabe Sapolsky, guy who uh, runs Evolve, not the most popular person in the world. Uh, David Starr has, has said on numerous occasions that Sapolsky wants people to work for free and doesn't want to pay the people that work for him. Uh, Ethan Page, all ego, Ethan Page responded to Starr online saying, you can't take blood from a stone, bro. That greedy-ass dude has a cold heart. His heart only beats when he's throwing temper tantrums or yelling down to people who, quote, should feel lucky to work for him. Scum, have Adam. I'll enjoy watching this one crash and burn. Damn. Uh, Ethan Page also has said um, that one of the reasons he doesn't like Sapolsky is apparently Sapolsky said to him uh, that he was sick of your two-star matches and overrated promos. Ah. So, my goodness. Uh, some shade. Well, all right, then. <laughs> some shade from Ethan Page and David Starr on uh, the, the showrunner of Evolve. 
I happen to think David Starr is, you know, low key one of the best guys in the business right now. You're not lying. I mean, the dude puts on some legit matches. Uh, great talker, smart guy, but good lord. Yeah. Uh, in other in retirement news, if you watch Wrestle Kingdom night one, Manabu Nakanishi had a tag match, uh, and he is unfortunately announcing that he's retiring. Uh, he was in that tag match. The, uh, the first night where he was teaming up with uh, with uh, Yuji Nagata against Satoshi Kojima and Hiroshi Tenzan. You remember I want to talk about, Nick? He yeah, the, the, one, bulky, the one that I lost, yep. The big bulky guy who could yep. barely move. Well, one of the reasons he could barely move is because he busted his neck back in 2011. 2011, he messed up his neck. Yeah. Um, and he was out till 2012 and then has been pretty much in tag matches since. Um, and he's finally just calling it. He's calling it a day. He's going to have a retirement uh, match on the 22nd of February. And then he's done. Uh, also, Naoki Sano, who was just in the ring in Liger's final match, also announced that he is retiring as well. No timetable for that. He just announced that he will be retiring. Uh, that dude's know- still jacked, though. And he was still going in the ring. That was oh, amazing yeah. to me. Oh, no. He's, he's Well, he's a lot like Liger, where I, I'm shocked Liger's retiring because the dude is still in insane shape and still putting on great matches. So. Yeah. Wild. I guess he wants to. I guess he wants to retire before he's crippled, or something. Yeah. Uh, one of New Japan's next events is a team up with CMLL called Fantastica Mania, which will be running over the next month or so, starting January 10th in Osaka. Uh, lots of good stars from CMLL showing up: Negro Casas, uh, Angel de Oro, uh, Ultimo Guerrero, Barbado Cavernario, which I'm excited about. He's always puts on some good matches. Uh, Doki. So, yeah, look for that on New Japan coming up. Should be a lot of fun. All the top guys will be there, at least for some of the shows. Um, Speaking of New Japan, they have announced the dates of all of their major shows for this year. New Beginning in Sapporo will be on February 1st and 2nd. uh, And then the final show on February 9th in Osaka at Osaka Joe Hall, which is impressive because that means they're doing Osaka Joe for both New Beginning and... Uh, for Dominion, which will be on June 14th. Usually they only do one Osaka Hall uh, show. This time they're doing two, uh, which is kind of a big deal. They're doing the 48th anniversary show March 4th uh, in Tokyo. New Japan Cup Finals March 21st. Sakura Genesis March 31st. Sumo Hall. Uh, Let's see. What else we got? Wrestling Dontaku May 3rd and 4th. Fukuoka. And the G1 Climax. This is a big deal, Nick. Because of the uh, Olympics that are happening in Japan this summer, they're not having the G1 in the summer. They're pushing it back to October, which means we probably are not getting a destruction tour, and they're going to do the G1 instead. So, which means the G1, if I'm reading this right, will run up to Thanksgiving. No. Uh, final dates will be the 16th, 17th, and 18th at Sumo Hall. Fi- so, oh, final dates. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, final. I mean, so it'll, yeah, be run- okay. it'll be running running end of September, early October. I got gotcha. you. Okay. Which is so going to the- wreak goddamn havoc with me having to watch all of my horror movies one a day plus do the horror movie podcast plus watch all the g1 new japan yeah trying to kill me yeah huh oh man speaking of which you missed one event that's happening and that's the new beginning u.s tour that just so happens to be making a stop in raleigh north carolina on january 27th what what Oh, my goodness. Well, you've got to get there and represent, my friend. i got to go. 
You gotta, I gotta go. go. I will be yeah. there. Uh, I know there's several other listeners that we have uh, that are in the group and in the Discord that are also in North Carolina. If you guys BWO are coming, meet up. BWO yep. meet up. Come so on, we'll. I'll see if we can put something together. Uh, whether or not you guys attend the event, we'll see if we can do a. I don't know a happy hour afterwards or a meetup before the event, something like that. So uh, stay yeah. tuned, Hell Carolinas yeah. and Virginia residents, if you happen to want to come to New Japan in Durham, North Carolina, on January twenty seventh. Amen. Well, I'm Nick. Let's end, let's end it there. I was going to end it on a down note because I had an article where uh, about stardom and just kind of how weird and creepy it is. But I'm going to say that for another time because we're kind of out of show and I want to keep things positive to, to end this. So let's end this with. Uh, a possible BWO meetup for the new for the, yeah. the the New Japan show in North Carolina, and we'll leave it at that. That's the news, Nick. Oh, well, thank you very much, Siri and Dangerous, and thank you guys first and foremost in the chat on us on YouTube here with us, uh, keeping the live chat lively and uh, keeping us entertained while we do the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, if you guys would like to get in on some of that, head over to YouTube.com/slash/BustedWideOpen. Make sure you subscribe to the channel and also jingle the little notification bell so that you get notified anytime we do go live, which is on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern and Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern every single week. Uh, next week. Ding, ding, ding. Fun treat. Nick's actually going to be in Los Angeles again. So we're going to get to do one of those fun things where we do an episode from the the Danger Cave. The Danger Palace? What are you calling it now? The Danger Cave? Danger Palace. Danger Palace. Okay. But spoiler alert, we're going to do our best to be live. (gasps) How's that going to work? I don't know. It's going to be weird. Stay tuned. You'll see. You're going to be sitting in Dog Ziggler's cage. Yes, Dog Ziggler could potentially be on the show uh, in my stead. There you go. I'll have uh, have it sit on your lap. It'll be great. (laughs) I might bring an extra spare camera that we could point at Dog Ziggler and have him in a frame uh, as be a part of the show. That could be a fun treat. He just sat up and growled at you. Yeah. Hi, Dog Ziggler. I'll see you next week, buddy. Oh, yeah. All right, so yes, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel, got your notifications turned on. Come join us over on Facebook at facebook.com. Like our search for Busted Wide Open and like our page, and you can send a join request to get into the discussion group with the rest of the phenomenal ones. And you can find links to our Discord communities and all of our episodes there as well. Make sure you get into those because those are the hubs of our operation and all kinds of good stuff you can find in there. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. And if you'd like to get in on some extra exclusives, you can head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of our awesome reward tiers where you get access to the show notes for every episode, the ability to ask listener questions for our weekly... Oh, that's nice. Sweet swag. Sweet swag. Yeah. You can get up at the uh, the higher Sweet tiers. Sweet Even swag. Even a um a bonus or a, a bonus episodes at ten dollar tier and Skype calls with Sir Ian Dangerous and myself at the higher tiers as well. So all kinds of good stuff over at patreon.com slash BWO. But my name is Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But my God! Would somebody stop the damn match? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out. OrbitalJigsaw.com